When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, the host of this here podcast, Three Swings. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm back. I was here last week, but I'm back. I kind of feel back. Uh, Some people have reached out via Twitter to say that my conversations on sadness have helped them out, so that's been nice to hear. It's nice feedback, not because I'm like feeling like whatever it's just nice that uh because sometimes that's all you can bring to the table and it's nice that when all you can bring to the table is what you can bring to the table that still helps people out it's good to know so happy to help and continue helping um i am doing a little bit better feeling a lot less sad uh just doing the dang thing and trying to show up for life which can be really difficult sometimes But I will say that throughout the whole thing, I've been talking to people, reaching out to them, trying to help other people, Um, and not only people that I like (laughs) or that I am comfortable with. I've tried to give people a hand that I don't really know very well, and that can really change your life, Um, even just sort of like really small ways. I can give you a very specific answer. Uh, example from this evening because I am recording this podcast at night. I just did a show downtown, but I guess, I mean, it's weird to say downtown about Los Angeles because I feel like all of Los Angeles is and isn't downtown at the same time. Um, And I parked in a parking garage and there's a parking attendant, but you also pay at one of those little freestanding pay units and there are no instructions on it like at all. And I walked up and I remembered it being weird. And this woman was having a very hard time and she was just looking around, kind of looking for assistance. And she was like, do you, are you going to pay? Do you know how she was just completely flabbergasted? So I was like, well, how about we, I think you just pay and then it gives you a receipt. And so she put her, I pressed the buttons for her and then she put her card in and then we waited And a receipt came out. And I was like, I think you just give the guy those two things. And she was like, thank you so much. And I was like, absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's like not a big deal. And then there were a couple people behind me. And I was like, hey, this is how this thing works. You just pay it. And then you show the guy the receipt that you paid for it. And they were like, oh, thank you. Because it was genuinely confusing. If you didn't know that, you would be like, I don't know how this thing works. Because you get a ticket with a barcode when you come in. So it seems like you would need that ticket to pay the ticket, but you don't. So then I got in my car and I backed out and I started driving down the ramp and I saw there was a huge line and everybody was confused as hell. And so I rolled my window down and I was like, hey, are you confused about how this thing works? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, you just pay it and then it gives you a receipt and then you show that him... The two things. And the guy was literally sitting there just on his phone while I was explaining it. And I was like, I'm glad I'm explaining it 
because I wouldn't want to be stuck here not knowing what the hell I need to do. So I didn't do it so that I could tell you guys about it. I did it because I genuinely wanted those people to not have to stand there and be confused. And also, I think they were all just in the show. And I was like, you probably came to this show and you guys were there for a while. And I appreciate you. And it just made me feel like a good human being to help some other people out. Because it's literally, I could have just left. I could have left and been like, those idiots. And that is a person that I used to be sometimes. You know, like just just noticing people's failures or whatever. And, and like making myself feel better by how other people are not doing as good as me. And like, that sucks. It's been a minute since I've acted like that, but I'm being very vulnerable and honest in saying that like, and I, I don't mean people that I care about, even though this distinction doesn't, doesn't get me much. I mean, like, you know, that just general commentary that you make in your mind when you're in public and you see somebody mess up or something and instead of being like oh man bummer your brain is like let's use this to make you feel better about yourself um so i try to stop doing that actually i've stopped doing that i don't think that anymore when it comes up i realize that's not my brain or that's not me it's not me doing that which is nice because now i have some distance from it and it happens and i go that's not very nice that's not the person that i am so helping other people. A friend of mine today was feeling super sick and super stressed out. And I kept offering to like bring her food and stuff. And she didn't, didn't, didn't want me to do that. And I was like, you should just Instacart this stuff. If you get up and leave your house, you're going to feel so much worse. You're going to be so much sicker. And that's going to be an hour and a half that you're not resting. And like, it helped. <laughs> it helped for, for, she just needed somebody to tell her what to do or like give her the, you know, like let her off the hook and let her do something for herself. So it doesn't, ha- you don't have to go volunteer at a homeless shelter, which I, you could also do that. Like you should do that. You don't have to volunteer. You don't have to sign up and go do it. You don't have to. You can help other people in really small ways that actually create big change because you do it a bunch and you feel a little, you feel better about yourself in a real way. Not like, oh, I helped a bunch of people. It's like when she told me that I helped her, I was like, awesome. That's so cool. That's it. And now I get to be like, oh, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to be vulnerable and like just tell somebody like, well, you should do this or or like, hey, what about you should just Instacart it or whatever, you know, like take the chance and just tell somebody else like, hey, man, you can do that for yourself. That's totally okay. Anyway, these are just suggestions for you guys. If you're feeling down and you're sick of people telling you get exercise and eat healthy, (laughs) try this. Call somebody else, get out of your own head, and see how they're doing. Walk down the street, smile at people. After a while, you're just smiling. And then it changes things a little bit. Um, Death was not victorious this week. We lost to my former team, now known as the Yips. It was a wonderful game. We had an umpire for the first time, and I gotta say, it was absolutely wonderful. He was really nice. It was cool to just like have an umpire and not have to worry about it. And also it just made it feel like a real game. It was really cool. Um, I liked it a lot. It was really neat. And uh, we lost. I felt like I played all right. I'm not hitting that well. My friend Hank was pitching. He was dealing. He was working some stuff out and my bat broke. So I had to order. I got two new bats. Uh, hopefully I don't have to buy any more bats this season, but, uh, that's what happens. Those are the things that break and that you have to replace. I've had the same glove for two years now. Um, I'm trying to hang on to that guy for a minute. So that's good. And then I ended up winning my fantasy league last week, which I thought I had, I lost, but apparently I won. And then this week I just forgot to set it. So I have like a bunch of injured guys, but you never know. You never know. Who knows what's going to happen. I'm kind of like hands off of that stuff right now because I just, I didn't want to get lost in it. And now I've kind of gotten to the other side of it where I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I I think I'm 
kind of set for the rest of the season. I don't really know that I want to be dropping and picking people up constantly. But I, I did do a couple moves because I was like, I should at least try. Um, and I had Chris Paddock who had the no-no through eight, but of course he didn't can he didn't get it all the way. So it was only like 26 points or whatever. But <laughs> I'm only down by like 30 points against the dude that has the best record in the league. So we'll see. And I like I said, I got an injured guy and then my pitching has kind of fallen pretty flat. Lucas Giolito is all of a sudden not the pitcher that he was not that long ago. So um, whatever. We'll see how it goes. I I've been to some games. I haven't been catching that many games. I will say it's honestly difficult without cable and not having the Dodgers because the times that I can actually sit and watch games are actually at night and Dodger times. So it's been kind of difficult, but um, I'm still paying attention to, to it and keeping a general eye on it. But, you know, my life is... The reason that I do this podcast is because I love baseball and it affects my life. And my life is baseball in this way that is not like... I play it every day and I look at it every day and I do. There are times when that's the case, but that's not the case right now. And I still play every weekend and I still like a big chunk of my friend group is baseball. And so my experience of life is still through that lens. And like a lot of my energy goes to that. And so this podcast is not necessarily just about baseball. It's about like life and the way you can approach life and what people do with their lives, and then how much they like baseball. So we'll be back right after this, and I'm going to talk about some men's baseball stuff. And then later on the show, we have a really awesome interview that I think you are going to dig very hard uh, with Dr. Meredith J. Wills, who is an astrophysicist, a knitter, and a baseball fan. Uh, But first, we'll have some baseball talk right after this. As the MLB trade deadline approaches, it's July 20, it's July 31st, there has been rampant speculation about potential, I almost said political, potential landing spots for a wide range of high-profile players, including Noah Syndergaard, a Mets starting pitcher, Zach Wheeler, Mets starting pitcher, Trevor Bauer of Cleveland, he's a pitcher, Madison Bumgarner, the San Francisco Giants starting pitcher, Todd Frazier, classic Todd Frazier, the Mets third baseman, Marcus Stroman, Blue, Blue Jays starting pitcher, Jose Abreu, White Sox first baseman, Whit Merrifield, Royals second baseman, Nicholas Castellanos, uh, right, Tigers right field, and D. Gordon, the Mariners second base baseman. It's also not clear yet which teams will emerge as trade destinations and which teams will be looking to pack it in for the season. Right now, only six teams are headed for 90 losses. The Marlins, Seattle Mariners, Kansas City Royals, Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, Baltimore Orioles, and the New York Mets will probably also join that list. Um, And what about the San Francisco Giants? They seemed like their season was over until they won 11 of their last 13 games to get back into wildcard contention. Classic San Francisco Giants behavior. The Colorado Rockies, meanwhile, have moved in the opposite direction, losing 10 of 12 to sit tied with the Giants in the NL West. Sad story of the Rockies this year. Last year was their year and they just couldn't do it. It's a bummer. I'm sorry, Colorado. And what about the Los Angeles Angels, winners of five straight, the Pittsburgh Pirates, losers of four in a row since the All-Star break, the Philadelphia Phillies, 12 and 19 in their past 31 games, with a near double-digit deficit in the NL East, and the Oakland A's, winners of five straight to start the second half, but still four and a half games behind the Houston Astros. I mean, these are bench coach Brett's questions. Who on this list should be looking to add players for a second half run, and who is better off calling it a season? Uh, I mean, I think the pirates could call it a season. I think the Rockies can probably call it a season and then those teams with 90 losses definitely could call it a season. I think it's interesting to me that Cleveland is going to trade pitchers when they're losing pitchers. I also think the Dodgers need another arm. So those are my biggest trade destinations and the Twins need another arm and also Atlanta probably needs an arm and that answers some of my other questions i mean i think that the mets are not going to trade anybody maybe todd frazier but i don't think they're going to trade their pitchers 
because I just don't think they're going to do it. And it it seems like they're going to float this stuff and see what they can get and then back off of it and just keep everybody. So let's move into some second half predictions. If the season ended today, here are your playoff teams. We've got in the AL East, it would be the Yankees. The Central, it would be the Twins. The West would be the Astros. And the wild cards would be the Tampa Bay Rays or, or I mean, and (laughs) Cleveland or the Oakland A's. They're tied currently. And then the NL, in the East, we'd have Atlanta. In the Central, we'd have the Chicago Cubs. In the West, we'd have the Dodgers. And the wild cards would be the Nationals and the Phillies. Um, and which of these teams do I not expect to see in October? Mm, that's a toughie. The Phillies, unfortunately, because that was not the tune I was singing at the beginning of the season. But um, the way they've been playing lately and managed lately, I don't think that they're going to be around. And then I also, man, I just... The Cleveland and the Oakland is a real toss-up for me. I honestly don't know. Um, it could go either way, but I just feel like Cleveland doesn't have Cleveland doesn't have what they used to have. They're not playing the same way. But who knows? I mean, I'm hoping against all hope that the Tampa Bay Rays stick around because I just really want to see that because it sounds fun. You know, I just want to see a team up there that we don't see usually because most of these other teams we've seen with the exception of the Twins. We've seen these teams a bunch of years in a row. I want to see some new shit. I want to see some new shit. You know? I just want to see some new shit. So... Let's move on to that rosin bag, because I really want to get to this interview. You guys are going to dig it very hard, I think. Um, we've got R- RJ Silva 9 saying the ESPN guys on the Los Angeles Dodgers versus Philadelphia Phillies game are debating who has the prettiest swing. Their vote is Bellinger, and either it's the ESPN guys or RJ Silva's vote, Bellinger. I tend to agree. I think that's a pretty good one. Uh, who has the worst swing? They think Rizzo wins hands down and they're a Cubs fan. Uh, Rizzo definitely doesn't have a pretty swing. I honestly think that Bryce Harper's swing is pretty ugly. I also think that Manny Machado has a very pretty swing. Regardless of what you think of Manny Machado, he's got a very pretty swing. So I think that, uh, and also like, say what you will about Joey Votto, his swing is pretty ugly. <laughs> it's not pretty. You know what I mean? And like, it doesn't always have to be pretty, but we're talking about pretty. So I'm saying the ones that I don't think are pretty. And then we've got six Ben Harrison asking any chance the Rays can overtake the Yankees for the top spot in the AL East. There's always a chance. I don't think it's going to happen though. Cause I think the Yankees just have too much going on for them. Um, it's just like a behemoth of people that, uh, I don't know how they overcome that, you know? I would love to see it happen. It would be great. Like I was just saying, I want to see some new shit. But, you know, I can't I can't make it happen. So, <laughs> I can't. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back right after this with an interview with Meredith J. Wills, astro- Dr. Meredith J. Wills, astrophysicist, right after this. <laughs> I am so excited about our guest, uh, Three Bs. You're going to be this. I cannot wait for this conversation that's about to happen. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Meredith J. Wills. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to introduce yourself to everybody that's listening because I feel like you're going to do a much better job than I am. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Meredith. Uh, <laughs> I have a PhD in astrophysics. I now work as a sports data scientist and I have spent a huge chunk of the last, oh, 
well over a year tearing apart baseballs. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I got into that and we'll get into that. Um, but I'm curious because I ask everybody that's on the show this same question. Like, what is your, so your, your relationship to baseball, like, when did it start? How did it start? You know? Okay. Uh, I was born on opening day. Hell yeah. I was three weeks old when my dad took me to my first ball game. Uh, three weeks. Remember three weeks. Absolutely. What if you did remember that? You'd be a good I, I, astrophysicist. I, you, you cut off the, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, what I, I, I uh, as my dad will repeatedly tell me, Steve Carlton was pitching. Nice. And I have since, in fact, uh, I, I even still somewhere have the batting helmet, the giveaway batting helmet that they gave to all the kids. Yeah. I was three weeks old. I was entitled to a batting helmet. Wow. And, um, but yeah, Steve Carlton was pitching. My dad will remind me of this. And I've since gotten to know Scott, Scotty Carlton a bit. Cool. And, uh, he said, oh yeah, well, if you send me the helmet, my dad will, autograph it and so you know kind of everybody freak out my dad thought it was cool too i need to track the helmet down i think it's in storage in boston but i have it you got to get it done meredith i will get it done. <laughs> i believe in you i believe in you so yeah, yeah. so you were like just in it from birth in a baseball family or was it just a dad thing well, or what was my dad play i mean my dad was particularly he was an obsessive milwaukee braves fan like the entire time he grew up you know, in Wisconsin and the team didn't exist for a ton of time, but it was basically during kind of all the formative years for him. And what you have to realize is it wasn't just opening day, but it was also the day that Hank Aaron tied Babe Ruth's home run record. Oh, wow. Of course, Hank did all his entire career with the Braves, including the whole time they were in Milwaukee. So, and you were born on that day. I was born on that day. Wow. Um, my dad is not somebody who I associate with being particularly, you know, religious superstitious. But he literally went out and bought me a baseball bat the day I was born. He was convinced from then I was supposed to be a Hall of Famer, which has happened. Uh, forget all the big <laughs> degrees and all the stuff. What he was excited about was basically that I have stuff in the Hall of Fame now. And I do, in fact, now do collaborations with him. So, Well, let's get into that because it's come up. You know, because I okay. we'll get into the astrophysics a little bit later, but like, oh God. tell everybody how you got into the Hall of Fame. You're the second person that I've talked to that's in the uh, Hall of Fame, which is Who's very the cool. Other one? Justine Siegel, she has. Okay, yeah, I know. I know. Just, well, I I know Justine a little. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, but yeah, she's she's just an amazing person. She is an amazing, just a mm-hmm. tremendous human being. She has her yep. uh, batting practice jersey at Cooperstown. So how how oh, did that's right you get in right, there? Yeah um it, nothing nearly so grandiose well, i don't know about uh, that uh, no no <laughs> it's actually it, it's a cute story which is that um so i let's see i tear apart baseballs i uh you know i do baseball stuff and i have done astrophysics the other kind of part of that is i am a knitter and specifically a knitting designer uh, so, you know, if you do a search on me and knitting, you'll find stuff that, heck, I think I've got a pattern coming out next week, you know, whatever it happens. So, uh, <laughs> about, I think it was in 07, uh, a fan organization called Stitch and Pitch had a national contest looking for, you know, they just wanted people to do different designs and different kinds of fiber arts things. Uh, what, what Stitch and Pitch is, is basically they'll do like one game a season and, you know, with the special ticket or whatever, and you bring your knitting or your crochet or your embroidery and there's a giveaway. And, you know, I actually even made the, the big board uh, in uh, at Miller Park one year. Wow. During Stitch and Pitch, which was kind of fun. It was a total fluke, I think. But um, so I ended up winning this design contest in 07 with uh, a pair of socks that I designed. And they were I had a couple pair that I did because the whole the whole premise is that you can use different logos. So I, I did two pair. One was Yankees, one was Rockies. Uh, but, and I desperately need to go in and update them. The pattern is available for free online. Yes. Um, if you want, maybe we can put a link. You can put a link. Absolutely. It It'll be in the footnotes. Uh, and it has to be available for free because otherwise I'm sure MLB would want to charge me royalties. A lot. But it was, <laughs> it was a, you know, it was an MLB approved contest. So Great. We're cool. And so the socks that had the Rockies logo, uh, in 2009, uh, the Hall of Fame approached me and said, you know, they wanted to recognize Stitch and Pitch as a fan organization, and would I be willing to donate those socks? And so in 2010, 
you know, this is my dad refers to it as my induction, which I think is hysterical. It's great. Um, I love <laughs> they put that. Them on display, and they're actually still on display. Wow. And since then, I've now done uh, some. Like there's a pair of stirrup socks I did to go with Eddie Goodell's uniform. Wow. For, for one thing. This is the guy who was like three foot something. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Bill Vec brought in. And um, I'm now also doing a couple collaborations with them. Uh, the one that's sort of the most visible right now is doing a stitch by stitch reproduction of a sweater that Ty Cobb donated. I saw that and, on your blog spot. Yeah, and, that's, it's yeah, beautiful. That's that's the whole point of the blog spot, and and that's uh, it's it's been on hiatus a bit because I've had a whole bunch of you know great new job and now all this stuff with the baseballs. But I am finally pulling the sweater out again, and it's almost done. I swear. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's um, like that's, gorgeous. Yeah. It's like gorgeous oh, yeah. work. And and it's it's actually just been like as a scientist, it's actually been fascinating to do that because you know there are a whole bunch. Sorry, I'm going to geek out a little here. Please. There are a lot of construction techniques that you don't see in knitting at all uh, nowadays, uh, it, which is, is interesting to like me. Like from the time of Ty Cobb. From, from the time, not, not just the time of Ty Cobb, but I've since gone back to the Hall of Fame a couple times to look at this stuff. And they've got eight or nine sweaters, I guess. So I've looked at some from different periods, but there's one from like 1935, 37. That's the same construction. And um, so all I can figure is that some of this stuff, it might have been up to like around World War Two. And then after World War Two, stuff changed, you know, because they, they, they did these these factories. And what you have to realize is these were mass produced, but they were mass produced largely by hand. Right. Because yeah. that's just what you did. And so there are some techniques that I guess it, it doesn't surprise me that the mass production, you know, like the sweater you buy it you know, insert store here, uh, isn't going to have these techniques. But uh, the fact that, like, if you get a knitting pattern, you still don't see these. Somehow these sure. get lost very, very quickly. And so it's been really cool reverse engineering it from, you know, seeing the sweater a couple times and taking a lot of pictures and a lot of notes and trying. I think I finally nailed it on draft number four. So you mean like you started sweaters four times and on the fourth one you got the stitch right? If you if you go back and look, I even got all the way. Th I, I made it. I was probably three quarters of the way through and decided, no, this is not going to work. Ripped it out. Started over. That was like trial wow. two. Um, but this time, I mean, and that's what I mean about learning about it is some of it's trial and error. Some of it's having an aha moment. Uh this does sort of permeate my whole life, by the way. So we can call this, you know, an analogy or a, um, whatever. Uh, I'll think of the word. There's, there's, there's a good word. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, well, wait, what, yeah. when you say this permeates your whole life, what's well, this? Well, the idea of doing that kind of uh, curiosity and, and problem solving. So like the, 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 the baseball, for instance, the baseball construction stuff, in a way, also started with Hall of Fame collaborations, not specifically the study part, but uh, the other thing that I've been doing with them, and because I've been working on the Ty Cobb sweater, this hasn't moved forward at quite the same rate, is I discovered that, you know, baseballs are mostly yarn inside. Yes. And it turns out that the yarn is knittable. <laughs> and so I started doing, you know, a because I, I'm a designer. I, you know, original designs uh, with the idea that we're then going to auction them off as fundraisers for the Hall of Fame because it is a 501c3. It's not like MLB supports it, so it's a museum. You know, you, right. you That's that's how it stays in business. You know, everyone's going to the Hall of Fame induction, and I hope they spend a lot of money in support of the Hall of Fame because I mean I love it. But uh, so the idea is that we'll you know auction off these these sweaters that I'm going to be or not it's not just sweaters, but like my latest project is a sweater, um, uh, baseball yarn, you know, to, to raise money. And it turns out that you need to take apart an awful lot of baseballs. <laughs> yeah. I was going to so say like 20 days. I think it requires like 20 baseballs roughly to get like a men's sweater, 20 baseballs to a shirt, basically pretty much. And major league baseballs are hard to get. Yeah. So, uh, hence, hence, you know, when we do auction these off, I hope they bring in a lot of money because we, at the very, not, not that I'm paying, you know, these are donated baseballs, but sure. still it's, you know, you'd like to think you make up whatever the cost the team would have paid type thing. Yeah, of course. And the time but, and all of mm -hmm. it. 
That's oh, really yeah. well, fun. So do you obviously. do you use the red yarn also? The laces I have not worked in yet. I do have one design in mind where I could, but the problem is that they're so much thinner. Oh, that sure. It's it's a little tough. Um, I could probably do them as sorry, knit geek again, yeah. as what you'd almost call a carry thread. Uh-huh. Where it's like if I did it alongside something else. Oh I'm yeah, not sure. That's a look I'd want. So, wow. but there, there is, there is so a kind of a hit and like, run situation is what you're talking about. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love this. A, like, yeah. see, this is what I love about, this is personally what I love about baseball. The fact that knitting and baseball are intertwined in this way and they're, oh. they're knitted together. If you pardon the pun, you know, oh, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> it's so, so wild. Cause you, you know, looking at the two things, you would be like, there's no way that these two things have anything to do with each other. And you're like, nope, they totally do. Well, the, the, the interesting thing actually is that, uh, there, this, for the, certainly for the 2017 home run surge and then to a certain extent for, for the current one, uh, I would not have figured that out had I not been a knitter. Um, wow. You know, it was, it Tell was, me it's more. actually, let's, let's get into the home run surge stuff and all of the okay. data because I read it and then I was like, I cannot wait for her to tell me what this is. <laughs> because yeah, I, I mean, I, that's, I that's fascinating that bad. like you wouldn't this, have, this is, the knitting is what gets you into it. And, and also yeah. your curious science doctor brain, you know? Yeah. I Which mean, is what one, I love. One thing I think people should realize though, is that it is kind of, the, the, the curiosity and the asking questions and the having an idea of context and what you're looking at. Cause, uh, in a lot of, I mean, people, they hear astrophysicists, they, they think, you know, th- there's this very esoteric association with what it means to do science and, you know, yeah. having that, that title sort of adds to that stereotype. So they're picturing things like, you know, computers and wind tunnels and, <laughs> and, and that's necessary. And there are absolutely people who are doing that stuff. In my case, my tools were things like a box cutter and a T-pin and a chopstick. Yeah. And, and a, a microfiber cloth. <laughs> uh, microfiber cloth. Yeah, a, the, 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 the board. The that board. I used to get the, the, um, the, the, uh, smoothness measurements. Uh, I could have gone to Home Depot and bought one, except that one of my neighbors very nicely left uh, a stack of perfectly good bookcase boards sitting next to the um, the you know big trash bin outside the building. So look at that! So much yeah. better than spending money to do it. Exactly, and it was just as good. And yeah, I also you know <laughs> the other thing is I'm not getting funded for this guy. Right, of course. <laughs> I mean, so you did so you did yeah. so much research on be, because when I was just sort of walking into this idea, I mean, I also I have my sort of very pedestrian theories on mm-hmm. the home run surge and the effects that have nothing to do with that. I'm like, yeah, of course, the ball is something to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's other aspects that it all comes together in this mm-hmm. sort of, you know, just like just a meeting of all these points that create like the most home runs of all time. One yeah. of them, oh, yeah. one of them being time itself. Like the fact mm-hmm. that baseball has been played for over 150 years, mm-hmm. 150 professionally in major league baseball. Sure. Um, that uh, at some point, of course it has to be like this, you know, and we just happen to be living in it to a yeah, certain extent. That's not a very scientific, that's more of a spiritual look at it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> There, there's something to be said for that. Although I, you know, sort of thinking about some of it, it's it. The more discussions I have, the more stuff kind of, uh, I don't know, crystallizes. Maybe you know, you have new ideas, new interpretations. One thing, for instance, that in retrospect, actually, certainly for this time around, but but even previously, the stuff that the Home Run Committee did. I'm not surprised that they found it was the ball. And part of the reason is because what you needed was something that was going to basically be universal across the game. So everybody kind of had the same thing. And it was also something that it, it, in particular, the idea that it was the aerodynamics. Uh, if it's not the aerodynamics, the way you would know that is basically because the, the nature of the impact you know, essentially how the ball is, co- how the uh, ball is coming off the bat 
And that's something we can measure with exit velocity. Yes. So if exit velocities had gone up, that would say, okay, it's either a different characteristic of the ball or the bat or the players. The fact that there's been a little bit um, of an increase in exit velocity this year, but it's certainly not enough to account for this. And there's even some speculation that it may just almost be like a, I don't want to call it a rounding error, but StatCast hasn't been around that long. Right. And the tech gets better and better every year. So the idea that maybe exit velocity has been going up a little bit over time anyway, and it just kind of ends up in the noise. Um, and this time it just hasn't. But they're just, it's not like, it's not like everybody changed their bats at the same time. I mean, it could be that we're in the middle of another PED scandal, but that would say exit velocity. And right. Since exit velocity isn't up. It's got to be how the ball travels through the air, which of course made this time around much easier because it's like, okay, it has to be the ball. It has to be the ball. Else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then even with the previous one, like, there's a there's a certain uh, process of elimination almost that that suggests that um, it was just and it's what the home run committee found for the 2017 surge and you know there's a lot of people you know basically with you know kind of the same letters that I have after my name and all that stuff and you know, a lot of very very smart people uh, you know physicists uh, mathematicians engineers all that stuff but and they what they found was they found again. Gee, the draw balls traveling farther. Uh, the drag was down specifically, but they didn't know what was what was different, and so that's where kind of I got lucky. And knowing knowing something about knitting was what came into to play. Wild. Can you can you yeah. nail down exact like just just your understanding of knitting is is it, or was it a specific aspect of knitting that like opened that door into your research on the ball that then helped out the home run committee? Um, well, basically, I mean, I guess knitting, five, weave, uh, someone who does weaving would know this too, but one of the ways that you can tell, essentially, uh, the term you use is gauge, and it just has to do with like how many stitches you're going to have, or, or in, in the case of weaving, you know, how many, how many threads you're going to have in a given direction. Uh, you want to know how thick your yarn or your, your thread or whatever is. And so you do something you called wraps per inch, which is you literally take whatever you're knitting or weaving with and you wrap it around some dowel that has measurements on it, you know, like in, in this case, inches usually. And um, you figure out, okay, you know, it's if it's got 10 wraps per inch, you're going to get something that's, the stitches will be roughly this big. If it's 15, they're going to be roughly this big. And it was literally... The last measurement I did and the one that wasn't sort of on my list of things to do, it was looking at the, um, in this case, the, the laces. And I'm not going to get this quote. It's Isaac Asimov, which is something along the lines of, you know, uh, great discoveries are not generally accompanied by Eureka, but by the phrase, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's, he's quite right or was quite right. But in this case, it was going through and I was trying to get lengths on the laces and realized that the, the balls I was looking at, and these were kind of pre-home run surge and home run surge balls for, you know, related to the 2017 one, that they just looked different. They looked one, you know, it looked like it might be a thickness thing. And so what I did was I took a chopstick and I put ruler tape along it. And in this case... I didn't do wraps per inch because the laces are pretty thin. So it was wraps per centimeter and that was it. Wow. And and just, so I mean, so yeah, literally the knitting knowledge was what solved the problem. Wow. And on top of that, uh, that was, that was last June that, so you found the difference in the ball. It then comes to, all right, how does that difference end up giving you home runs? Right. And what I then, and again, once again, fiber arts is, is great. The laces are cotton. And what I realized was that, you know, the way, and kudos to the Home Run Committee for, for reporting this, but what it looked like was that when Rawlings, after the balls are made, you know, everything's set, and they just would let them air dry. Because you, you, what you have to do in order to get the leather to conform to a spherical ball, you, you basically have to soak it, and you then, you know, kind of attach it on, and then you put the stitches and using the laces and the ball's wet. So it's got to dry. And so they would just let them air dry. 
And the thing with cotton, though, is if you get it wet and the stitches are pulled super tight, I mean, obviously, anyone who's yeah. held a baseball, you know this. Um, wet cotton, if it's stretched and dries, stays stretched. So what I thought was happening and what seems to have been the case was that thinner cotton, thinner laces will stretch more because they're just not as strong. And so what that means is that the balls before the home run surge had thinner laces. And so if they're stretching more, that basically means almost you're getting like a bulging at the seams. It'd be almost like the ball is pulling itself apart a little along the seams, as opposed to with the thicker laces, they're just not going to stretch as much because they're thicker. So it doesn't pull away from itself as much as the seams and hence the ball stays rounder. And so yet again, look, knitting knowledge I have, or, or at least fiber arts. You know, <laughs> yeah. look, I know that co- with that air dried cotton stay stretched. Um, I have a feeling actually that that may also be the biggest reason that what's going on now is happening, which this is going to sound kind of weird, but uh, the, so, you know, I, I put this out in September and the one thing that you're, or I mean, you're seeing several things, you're seeing like a number of them, but the things that seem to be having the greatest effect on the aerodynamics for the the 2019 ball are basically that the seam height is much lower. It's like half as high and uh, the balls are rounder. I mean, they're, they're about as close to perfectly round as you can get, uh, you know, like subtracting up the seams and the, the laces seem to be sitting lower. I, I can't quantify that exactly the same way, but pitchers are talking about how it's much harder to pull the laces up, you know, how they tend to do that. Uh, to get a better grip or to try to get, um, you know, break differently. And so what it looks like is that the laces are not stretching during the drying drying process anymore. And that's even more interesting because they went back to the thinner laces on this new ball as well. And I suppose what that relates to is that the 2017 ball was seem to be related to a massive increase in pitcher blisters. Right. Yes, I remember so, that. So, and the thicker laces, you know, and, and in fact, you know, um, Rich Hill in 2016. I was just going to say Rich Hill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, not just that, but he literally said, check the lace thickness to MLB. Yeah. So, like, that's on the record. Um, and so it's, you know, kudos to MLB for taking that seriously. And once I found evidence of thicker laces, they went back to thinner laces. But you somehow have thinner laces, which in theory, should be stretching more, not stretching at all. And the only way that I can think of that you can dry cotton under those conditions such that it doesn't stretch is by putting it under, say, like a... It would be the equivalent of throwing your your the T-shirt you've just washed in the dryer so that it kind of shrinks back to, like, before you wore it, you know, because it gets all stretched right. out during the day. Yeah. Um, and so I think... So you think they're drying the balls? They're drying the balls probably under some kind of hot air flow. Think of taking like a blow dryer to the baseballs. Right. But then would that do anything to the home run pop? Heating well, up leather happened, like that? It has nothing to do with heating up the leather. It has to do with the fact that the laces suddenly don't stretch. Yeah. So the ball gets rounder, which or stays rounder, I should say. And a rounder baseball is going to travel farther. And I think as a side effect of that, what's happening is uh, those laces are, because they're not stretching they're forcing the seams to stay flatter right? and lower seams also make the ball travel further. <laughs> and so by taking a blow dryer to the baseballs, yeah. 2019 home run surge. And if I hadn't published that article last September, it would never have dawned on them. Wow. So it's possible that the balls are juiced, but it was to try to remove blisters. Well, I wouldn't even say when I say when is, I say juiced with thicker laces. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's the thing is juiced, and it's not necessarily intentional, right? You that, know what that, I mean? I that I will say is that yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, they clearly knew ahead of time. Like, sure, it's it's. Uh, you know, Joel Sherman had an article in the New York Post. I think it was like April eleventh, and MLB officials said they knew the drag was down. The ball and and by definition, lower drag means more home runs. Right, like one just is the other. So they're they're on the record saying that back in April, and somehow nobody exactly ran with it or you know pointed that out to Manfred when he said, "Oh no, no, this is just 
you know, natural variation and, and wouldn't even quite acknowledge that it was the drag until just in the last few weeks, uh, which was a little bit odd. Because right. He was talking about the his office. We're talking about, you know. Yeah. So and they were like they were talking about he was saying it was the that the pill was centered, right? The pill, um, if you were to have a, and start from a, an off centered pill and make it more centered, that would actually improve drag. Uh, it's about the only thing inside the ball that will do that. I mean, the, the way I like to think of it is um, it, it, when you throw a football and it's a spiral, you know, that's how you're supposed to throw a football. If you're me and you throw a football, it totally tumbles in the air. Sure. Yeah. Um, that ball that tumbles just does not travel as well. It's actually because it's spinning like that and the spin is centered that the thing travels the way it does. So if the pill or the core was slightly off center, it would effectively tumble in the air a little. Uh, however, if you actually look at how they make the baseballs, you know, they start with that, that pill and then they, you know, have this machine, this really impressive machine that winds the yarn on. And then there's, you know, the various layers. It's really, really hard to wind a baseball and keep the pill off center. Yes. Yeah. It just and so so it's 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 like a non-problem. It's, yeah. It's, it's antithetical it's, it's, to the machine itself. Right? Basically, yeah. Yeah. And and so it was proposed by the home run committee, but I don't think it was proposed in a we've looked into the manufacturing process right. because clearly they didn't. Yeah. They just know, said they, maybe it's this, and then we're like it's this. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, even even to the point where in the you know as part of the home run report or home run committee's report they did go to rawlings they they had you know this whole list of maintenance things and process improvements and stuff and then there's this great little sentence and they're saying yeah you know this is really too technical and it clearly can't have any effect on what's going on and that was kind of full stop why not um that's obviously a paraphrase but but the point being that um that construction aspect or, or the extent to which little changes in the construction were having an effect or were viable to begin with was not something that, that they took into account. And that's, I think, just has to do a lot with the backgrounds of the people on the committee. You know, they, they're, 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 they do their stuff really, really well. But, you know, there are people who are in manufacturing on the committee. I was surprised there were no players on it, honestly. That's one that kind of... That's pretty strange. surprising, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, so what kind of people are on it? Like, what are their uh, backgrounds? Let's see. Uh, there are people who have, uh, I mean, like, like I said, you know, physicists, mathematicians, engineers, but you have people who tend to specialize more in things like simulations mm. or lab experiments or, um, you know, or I'm trying to think like, you know, I suppose wind tunnel counts as lab. But there, there's it's it's much more uh, controlled, I should say. Sure. And in fact, I think that's the how do I put this? The goal, certainly with the home run committee and Rawlings goal to a large extent, is that the idea of having the balls as similar to each other as possible seems to be a big thing. Uh, that was certainly what the home run committee wanted. Like they basically did not like the extent that the balls varied from each other. This is, this is treated as a problem. Um, it is a fact. I don't necessarily know if it's supposed to, I mean, I don't know if the balls are all supposed to be the same if they're, you know, within spec. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy to run with the within spec if we, you know, understand a little more about the construction. But I kind of think it's cool that baseballs are different from each other. I mean, they are handmade. They, yeah, I mean, it. it's the only, I don't know if cricket balls are or not, but certainly in this country, I'm trying to think of another popular sport where the ball is handmade. Yeah, I mean, and it brings us kind of full circle to the beginning of this conversation, which is mm -hmm. you talking about those sweaters that were mass produced, yet all made by hand. Exactly. I love that. That's a great connection. I hadn't thought of that. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's all yeah. just like, it's all connected. And that's what mm -hmm. I really love about, I mean, baseball in general. It's so like, mm -hmm. again, pun intended, woven into the fabric of 
this country in a way it's it's really easy to come up with the puns yeah i mean they're right there and it's kind of my job so that's okay (laughs) i don't have a degree in it but here's here's one for you what i mean because i once i started working in baseball i would notice this um i defy you to get through a conversation or any you know period of time where you don't end up pulling in a baseball analogy without even thinking yeah. about it you know you talk about you know something Let's touch being base. On base or <laughs> out of left field or yeah. after a while it's just ahead of the curve it's, of course i suppose that could be racing but the, the point being it's just like they're all there it's all there all the time and people who actively dislike baseball use them all the time but that's what you know they're part of they're part of the the language. It's part I of mean, the language. Don't know how to not to use them. I know exactly. They do not know. <laughs> yeah. um, you've got so many strikes against you. I mean, come on, it's right there. There you go. Yeah. So I want to know what your job is in baseball now, and what what you're doing there. Well, what I'm doing, I, I'm working for uh, the company is uh, Sports Media Technology or SMT. It used to be uh, Sport Vision. So now we're umbrellaed under SMT. And they were the ones who created PitchFX, which is oh. what was, uh, you know, the pitch tracker before yes. TrackMan. And so, in fact, there's, I don't, I don't know if we're still at most of the pitching data as PitchFX, but they're probably comparable at this point. Um and so MLB went with StatCast for things like, you know, the ball tracking, the player tracking, kind of all the on-field stuff for Major League Baseball. And what we have is something called FieldFX, which is, is also player tracking and batted ball tracking and pitch tracking and all the same kind of stuff, except in our case, we do it with things like minor league or NCAA or various uh, international leagues. Cool. Uh, not the international league, but leagues overseas. Correct. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, gotcha. Um, Thank you for that correction. Sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, we have international league park. Yeah. I think. Uh, you know, we just, let's put it this way. You know, we're, we're covering all levels and oh, yeah. I'm assuming some of our triple A parks are That's international cool. league. They must be. Um, but the, uh, it, I like, so I'm, I'm specifically working with the ball tracking player tracking stuff which is believe it or not a really really good crossover from what i did in astrophysics uh which Tell is partly me more. why i wanted to get into it because like that's where i developed the skill set that turns out to be applicable particularly to player tracking which is not easy um it's a very it's there, there's there's just a lot of nuance i mean look at it this way even if you're just talking about players you can have as many as 13 players on the field at a given time uh Plus, generally, these things track the umpires and the first and third base coaches. And, you know, so it's a little it can, it can get very, very complicated. Wow. Um, and but so how did that relate to like to, the, mm-hmm. to like tracking 13 people on a field? How does that then relate to like the work you did at NASA or like just uh, astrophysics? The, 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 the NASA research that I did was actually looking at the believe it or not, the corona of the sun. So if uh, people aren't, I mean, people know what that is, even if they don't know what it is. It is not just a beer, um, <laughs> but, oh God, we get so many jokes about that. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but if you've ever seen a, um, an eclipse and, you know, all particularly a total eclipse and you see, you know, kind of all the cool stuff that that's out around an eclipse, that's actually the Corona. Um, it turns out that if we set up satellites, uh, the Corona generally is actually super hot like like a million degrees kind of hot or hotter yeah that's hot um yeah and so it doesn't actually like give off uh the kind of light we can see with our eyes it gives off x-rays oh um or extreme ultraviolet x-ray the point is it's like uh so this is actually believe it or not why it's really good that like we live down there and and or down here and not like up in <laughs> yeah. orbit, uh because otherwise we'd like all be irradiated to death you know it's like basically your doctor's x-ray machine 24 seven kind of deal wow. probably worse um but if we do send up a satellite and we look at, at you know those if we look basically using an x-ray telescope i mean that's literally what it is uh it turns out that that the corona of the sun is actually really really cool and just does all of this awesome stuff in fact the the telescope or i should say that the, the the mission the instruments that i um observatory it's a sorry <laughs> you're fine 
Solar Dynamics Observatory, SDO. That was what I was working on before, uh, yeah. before I went into baseball. Uh, anyway, you end up seeing on the Weather Channel, a lot of times they literally will show videos of this coronal data that, that's being taken from space, which is awesome. And so what I looked at were particularly the origins of solar storms. And these are the kind of things that like create, for instance, the, nor- the northern lights. Oh. Um, but they also end up impacting things, for instance, like radio communication. Uh, they can have, uh, it's, it's not unusual, for instance, for, um, if you're doing, if you're flying from, say, the U.S. overseas, you know, to Europe or to Asia or whatever, if there's a solar storm in progress, they will actually divert, uh, the plane so that, like, it doesn't go, normally it would go over the pole. Um, because that just happens to be like the shortest route, you know, the, the earth being a sphere. And so they'll actually divert so that you're not going like basically through the Northern lights. Right. Although I have seen them from an airplane. It is amazing. Wow. <laughs> Once in my life. That sounds cool. Um, but yeah, so, so what I looked at was basically the, where those storms started on the sun. And it's actually, there's a, just a lot going on. <laughs> I'm so, sure. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to, like, when you're looking at the 13 players on a ball field, you know, there, there are occasionally issues, but you pretty much know that the center fielder is the center fielder all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. As opposed to the kind of stuff I looked at where it's like, okay, this could be one of three effects and I need to kind of figure out how to pull them apart such that I can answer the questions I'm trying to trying to answer. And so it's like, all right, uh, it's it's still complicated, but it's just a lot more straightforward because you know you can tell the difference between one player and another, <laughs> sure. as opposed to you know it would be it, it would be a little bit like um, in some ways it's like meteorology. It would be like you know trying to parse clouds or something. Got it into discrete whatever. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, but baseball makes so much more sense. Well, baseball. I mean. Baseball's always made more sense. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Meredith, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I have enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. Yeah, this and has been fun. You're a wonderful human being, and it's been cool <laughs> to... I, I want to let everybody know that uh, Dr. Meredith J. Wills has been knitting this entire conversation. And I, what what is it that you're making? Is that a sweater sleeve? Oh, uh, all right. Well, no one else is going to see this. But Nobody else, but I'll, I'll describe That's it. That's all right. No, I'm just saying they're just not on video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the other one of these socks. Oh, my God. What a beautiful. That is a beautiful sock. It's Honestly, there's not much to it. The yarn's already striped. I, I, yeah, but you I chose it, though. You know what I mean? I think I bought it at Joanne's. Meredith, I was raised at Joanne's. So look at this. There you go. Look yeah, at this so full so circle. Uh-huh. You know, it's like it was in the stars. What, what's 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 your crafty stuff? I gotta ask. Oh, like crafty stuff. Let's see. I mean, I'm trying well, to raised at Joanne's. Raised at Joanne's, but I I wasn't into it because I was like I like sports, and so I was like very resistant to all of it. But you were talking about like. Uh, weaving and stuff and I was like maybe I should do that I mean I like to draw and I take care of plants that's what I've been into uh, and a big okay, photographer well, I take care of plants because I just killed them I yeah I'm trying to learn how to better tend to my plants I'm starting with a lot of succulents but I did grow some uh, nasturtiums some black velvet nasturtiums and they're going strong so Very I cool. feel pretty good about that so I'm growing I'm growing my sort of craft stuff like building things and just but slowly but surely not getting too far into something and then just quitting because i don't want to do it (laughs) yeah i i uh weaving is cool my my aunt actually is very good at it god kathy would love that yeah good for sure kathy by the way you have to listen to the end of a baseball podcast she'll kill (laughs) hi kathy Kathy. it's great to meet you so so yeah but she's she's a remarkable weaver but there's a lot of equipment that goes into it yeah you're right well you know and like well i don't want to meredith i don't want to i don't want to do it well i just want to do a tiny i want to make a pot holder on my couch while i'm watching baseball or something like that beading is good all right i'll get into beading yeah b-e-a-d-i-n-g yeah b-e-a-d yeah um but yeah no that's actually uh not that I do a ton of it, but I certainly have enough supplies. Yeah. And, um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's actually one that, that's pretty good for sitting watching the ball game and still, nice. you know, not having to, to do too much. So. I appreciate that suggestion. And mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day 
to talk to us here on Three Swings. Dr. Meredith J. Wills. This is great. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. It's so great to talk to you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.